Test, test one, two. Test one, two. All right, here we go. Well, good morning again. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to open to Acts chapter 16. Our text this morning will be Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through uh, 15. We're not going to exhaust all of it this morning, but we'll bite off a good-sized chunk, and then, Lord willing, I'm able to preach again. Uh, we will tackle another part of this passage. I want to talk to you this morning about reaching the unreached. Reaching the unreached. Listen to this line, and then we're going to pray. This is what we just sang. Question is, do we believe it? By faith, the church was called to go in the power of the Spirit to the lost, to deliver captives, and to preach good news in every corner of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, our hearts often get dull. We're prone to be complacent. God, we're prone to be comfortable people. In fact, if we're honest, sometimes we even make an idol out of being comfortable. The gospel and your spirit and the work that you're doing in us with your transforming grace, praise Jesus, doesn't allow us to stay comfortable. And so, Father, I pray this morning as we begin to look at your word together as a church family, that you get us out of our comfortable state if we're there. That you give us a fresh look at the harvest this morning. That you give us a fresh look at missions this morning. That you help us understand and remember that, God, there are people locally and globally that need Jesus. God, you have called us to be a part of that work that you're doing in the world. You have sent us already. And so we have to think through whether or not we're being faithful to what you've called us to be and do. And God, I pray for our church family. I, I know everyone would agree that missions is very important to us because the gospel is very important to us. And you can't rightly understand the gospel without being passionate about missions. But I can't help but wonder as we begin our time together in the word, do you have more for us? Or are we going to be okay with what we're doing? So, Lord, we need your spirit to work in us this morning. We need you to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to open our minds. We need your spirit to do what your word says, which is to search the deep things within us. God, help us to not make excuses. Help us to not get distracted. Help us to not do anything that, as your spirit is, is working in us, that stiff arms you, really, or pushes back. God, we, we want our yes to be on the table. We want our yes to be 
meant that, Lord, we will be faithful. And we need your help to do that, we know. So, God, we pray today that you help us as we think about together from this passage of Scripture, reaching the unreached. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we return to the book of Acts and as we return to Acts 16, we find ourselves really, if you remember, still at the early stages of Paul's second missionary journey. When we come to verse 11, Paul's team now is in place. Do you remember who was a part of his team? Obviously, there was Paul. And then there was Silas. There was young Timothy. And then we saw last week, I believe in verse 10, that Luke has joined them. So he has assembled quite the team, has he not? And they are ready to pursue God's will, to share the gospel with whomever God has for them. We saw last week, if you remember, that some of what they were doing probably didn't make sense. And what I mean by that is they wanted to go to Asia, but the Spirit said no. Then they wanted to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit said no. And then they received the Macedonian vision where this brother stands up in a vision that Paul gets in the night and says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And I told you at that time what that meant was Paul was going to take the gospel to Europe, which is really awesome. I mean, what a gift of grace that God has given us. Not only has he given us his word, but as I mentioned last week, he's given us the first recorded instance of, a go of the gospel going to a, a people group or a region that had been, quote unquote, unreached. It's pretty awesome. And so when we return to the text this morning and we start looking at 11 through 15, we're going to now see how God uses Paul and God uses his team to take the gospel to the unreached. So look with me at verse 6. We're going to reread what we read last week and then we'll... Uh, read our text for this morning as well. Verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, begging him, pleading with him, and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. You remember that? That was like a cry for help. Pastor Eric taught us it's like the mama who hears the baby crying in the middle of the night and gets up and runs to attend to that child's need. That's the picture. Come over to Macedonia and help us it's a cry for help we need the gospel verse 10 and when paul has seen the vision immediately we sought to go on into macedonia concluding that god had called us to preach the gospel to them so setting sail from troas we made a direct voyage to samothrace and the following day to neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days 
And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized, and in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Go back with me to verse 11, please. So Paul has received the Macedonian vision. We saw in verse 10 that they concluded, this is what God has for us. What was once cloudy and what was once unclear, once what, what, what once we didn't know, we now know what God would have us to do. They, he say in verse 10, God wants us to preach the gospel in Macedonia. Now look at verse 11 again. Notice what they do. They set sail from Troas and they make a direct voyage to Samothrace. I thought about this, Pastor Jim. There was no delay in their obedience, was there? As soon as the Lord said, this is what I want you to do, and this is where I want you to go, and when you get there, I want you to share the gospel with them, there was no delay. They obeyed right away. You parents tell your children that? When they disobey, you're training them, you're trying to shepherd their heart to be obedient and learn what it means to submit to authority. By the way, while I'm talking about this, parents, think about this. If you don't teach your children to submit to authority, how will they ever submit to the authority of King Jesus? So one of the things that you're doing is you're preparing their heart to submit to authority when you're teaching them to obey. And so one of the things that we don't do perfectly in our home, but we strive to do is to tell our children, how do you obey? You obey right away. And the reality is once you come to faith in Christ, you don't put that on the shelf, do you? You keep going with that mindset. You keep going with that heart attitude. And how are we to obey as Christians? We are to obey right away. And that's exactly what we see Paul do here. There was no delay. There was an urgency to share the gospel. And there was an, listen, there was an urgency to their obedience. Israel, why is it that we drag our feet? Did you ever notice that? The Lord shows you clearly what he wants you to do from his word. Because everything that we know we need to do is right here. Maybe it's a grudge. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's just being obedient to share the gospel. Uh, the commands are clear in Scripture. The problem is never Scripture. The problem is often our heart. We drag our feet and we delay. And Paul models for us here and his team models for us here that when God has spoken in his word to you and he's been very clear what you need to do, then you need to obey right away. They make a direct voyage to Samothrace. No stopping, no delaying, no pit stops, no seeing scenic attractions. They go straight to where they need to go. Then they go to Neapolis. In verse 12, from there, where do they go next? They go to Philippi. 
Now Luke tells us some important truths about Philippi. Notice what he says in verse 12. He tells us in verse 12 that Philippi is a leading city of the district of Macedonia. And maybe you're thinking, well, it was the capital of that region. Well, it wasn't. Thessalonica was the capital of that region. So Philippi wasn't the capital, but it still was an important city. And notice what else he says. It's a Roman colony. This would have been a privileged status for any city to have in those days that they were a Roman colony. It gave them special privileges. It gave them special status. For example, they only answered to Rome. They didn't answer to anyone else but to Rome. It also meant that it would have been a military outpost. There would have been a heavy military presence in the city of Philippi as well. Now, it was very common in Paul's missionary strategy to do two things. One of these you already know. Whenever he went to a city or whenever he went to a place, who was the first people group he always strived to share the gospel with? To the Jew. You're right, Miss Kim. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. If you read the book of Acts, one of the other things that you'll notice is it was very common for the Apostle Paul to go to leading cities, to go to important cities. And this was a strategic move by Paul to go to places of importance and to strive to plant seeds of the gospel in places like Philippi. And you say, okay, so it was a Roman colony. Cool. Okay, there was a military presence. Okay, got it. Okay, it was, a, it, was a, it was an important place. One of the other things that you need to know is Philippi was a gateway city. It was a gateway city, which meant that it was a place that not only people lived and thrived and all those types of things flourished, but it was also a place where people traveled through. So in Paul's mind, if he, could get the, if he could get the gospel planted in the leading city and people were passing through to the west and people were passing east back into Asia, maybe, just maybe, Pastor Eric, somebody would share the gospel, kind of like the Ethiopian eunuch. They would come to faith in Christ and take the gospel with them west or take the gospel with them east or take the gospel, Matthew, with them north. Or take the gospel with them south. Do you see his strategy? I thought about Okeechobee. You say, Okeechobee, we're a cow town. Have you ever noticed the banners that are on the side of the road when you start going to the middle of town? Have you ever read those little things that hang on the light posts? They're there. They communicate something about our city. They're bigger than birds just to sit on. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what it says about our city? It says that our city is a gateway to the Everglades. Huh. Have you ever noticed all the traffic in town? You know, the traffic that drives you nuts because you want to get where you need to go and there's so many people traveling north, south, east, and west. You know what I'm talking about. You know that the fact that the majority of traffic in our city is not people from Okeechobee, right? And I didn't even mention the snowbirds, but when you throw them into the mix and you throw them into the mix with the people that are traveling north, south, east, and west, 
Have you ever wondered why so many people travel through Okeechobee? Well, you can go to the East Coast through Okeechobee. You can go to the West Coast through Okeechobee. You can go to Orlando and further north through Okeechobee. And you can go south. Do you know what counties are the most populated counties in the state of Florida? Broward, Palm Beach, and Miami-Dade. Do you know what the most ethnically diverse counties are in the state of Florida? Huh. Palm Beach, Duluth, hello, hello, I will switch. Test one, two, all right, here we go. Do you know what the most ethnically diverse counties are? Can you still hear me? Hello? Hello, hello. I think the generator's about to go out back there, fellas. It's about to run out of gas. You hear it? Yeah. Yup. Hello, hello. I'm gonna keep going. There we go. All right. Think about this. Why does God have Everglades Baptist Church uniquely positioned in a gateway city? Could it be bigger than just reaching Okeechobee? Could it be bigger than just reaching our county? Think about a juice. Bear with me. Could, could, it, could it be that the Lord has uniquely positioned us to share the gospel with somebody that takes the gospel to Miami-Dade? or Broward, or Palm Beach County, or Tampa, or Orlando, or let's not forget it's an international airport in both Orlando and Palm Beach County to take the gospel to the nations. That's what Paul's strategy was to the Jew first, then to the Gentile, then to leading cities, so that the gospel could be planted and grow and reach the nations. Don't miss that in the text. Don't miss what God's doing here. That God has planted us here for this reason, to take the gospel to the nations. Now, let's keep going. Look at verse one of you brothers may have to go help them because last week they had a hard time restarting the generator. So you're going to have to use the choke to help them get that started. Oh, they got it. Very good. All right, look at verse 13. Whoa, look at verse 13. Hey, praise God for those young men. Amen. Praise God for those young men. Now, Notice what Paul does. After a couple days, we're good. I'll just use this. They meet a group of women that have gathered together at a riverside to pray. And it was on the Sabbath day. It was on the Sabbath day. And you may or you may not know this already. But there was no synagogue in Philippi. There was no synagogue in Philippi. And the reason that there was no synagogue in Philippi is because there was not a strong Jewish presence in Philippi. And so in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 
10 men that were heads of households. And if you had 10 men that were heads of households, then you could start a synagogue. So the fact that they're gathering at the riverside lets us know there wasn't enough men to have a synagogue. Also, according to Jewish tradition, if you didn't have enough guys to have a Jewish synagogue, then what you were to do next was to gather at some water source, like a river or the ocean, to gather to read the scriptures, to gather to pray. And so if you're wondering, why were they at the riverside on the Lord's Day and not in a synagogue? I just told you why. Because that's the situation that they were in. And so Paul hears that these ladies have gathered together to pray and he takes his team to meet them. And look at verse 13 at the end. The Bible says that they sat down and they spoke to the women who had come together. Now I want to park here for just a minute and talk about a couple of things. There's a couple of dots that I want to connect These ladies were right where God wanted them to be. And Paul was right where God wanted him to be. Don't miss that. That's what we saw last week. God had connected the ladies and Paul's missionary team together. And he did it through prayer. He did it through prayer. You have to think. You have to know. You have to understand. And what we looked at last week. Paul wants to go to Asia. Paul wants to go to Bithynia. Paul is redirected by the Spirit. He had to be praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? Show me the way you want me to go. And God answers that prayer. And you have to know and you have to understand and you have to believe that these ladies that had gathered to pray, that they were praying for God to show them who the Messiah was. They were waiting for the Messiah. And so Paul was an answer to their, to their prayer. It's interesting. Thought about this, Pastor Eric. How much of the kingdom of God has advanced through the prayers of godly women? Miss Betty, where are you at? Way back there in the Palmettas. I see you. I praise God for your prayer, Tom. I praise God for our women's ministry. Because part of the DNA of our women's ministry is prayer. You ever thought about that? How much of the gospel's advance throughout history has been on the backs of our godly women praying? I guarantee it, if I opened up the floor for you to talk, you would say, I'm here in the faith because God drew me through the prayers of my mama. I'm one of those. When I was off in the weeds and I was far, far from God and I knew all the right answers, but my heart was dead in sin and I still lived in rebellion even though I was a nice, good little boy. My mama prayed. Mamas, hear me. Ladies, hear me. Don't quit praying for your children. A mama's prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. You say, well, they don't live in my house anymore. 
They don't really listen to me anymore. I don't really have much influence over them anymore. Oh, those are lies from the enemy. They may not live in your house, but I'm going to tell you something. They can't outrun your prayers. Pray. And when you've prayed, pray some more. And when you've prayed, pray some more. Mission movements have started, Pastor Jim, because women got together to pray. We celebrate Lottie Moon, do we not? A lady who went to China and gave her life to that region. Oh, what a prayer warrior she was. And she wrote extensively back home to the States, calling our churches to pray. Won't somebody pray for the unreached of China? Won't somebody come to the unreached of China? Shouldn't we pray? Shouldn't we pray? Shouldn't we pray? Shouldn't we pray? Ladies, I'm telling you, healthy churches are built through faithful women that pray. Keep praying. Keep praying. Pastor Jam, I listened this week to Pastor Tim, or uh, Dr. Tim Cassie in Dispatches at the Front. Eric, we were working through the last part of episode one in Southeast Asia where they took the gospel to an island in Borneo there, an Irish people group in Borneo. And he asked the question, Jim, he said, how do we reach the unreached? Gwen, you remember this? Berto, you remember this? Cameron and Kate, you remember this? My OCA students should remember this. He asked, how do you reach people that want to be invisible? How do you reach the unreached? And his answer was prayer. Prayer. And then in the video, we met a guy and his wife, an older couple. And this man had been praying, Jim, for 20 years for someone to come bring the gospel to them. And in the video, the way that it unfolded was there was a man by the name of Paul who takes the gospel to them. And he had been praying for a year about this people group and how to connect. And they were able to connect. And we saw a video of it. It was really awesome. They were able to connect in a restaurant and talk about what God was doing. Everglades, let this sink in. There are two billion people on the face of the planet that have limited to no access to the gospel. Two billion. It's a staggering number. Two billion people on the face of the planet that have limited to no access to the gospel. And it's so easy, is it not, to forget them. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in the, the distractions of life and the cares of life and the things that we need to do just to live. And we forget the nations and we forget the unreached and we forget that there are people literally dying in their sins in this very moment, dying of AIDS, dying of malaria, dying of typhoid, dying from not hearing the gospel. They literally are dying all around us. And they're like the guy in Macedonia, Jim, and they're saying, come help us, please. Hear me carefully. I am so grateful for what God is doing. He has blessed us tremendously with so much opportunity. It's amazing what God has done through our very small little church underneath some oak trees. I'm so grateful for the commitment that we have to missions. But Chimo, I just can't help but wonder when I think about the unreached, and I think about this passage, 
And I think about what God did for Lydia. And I think about how he orchestrated all the events for him, for Paul, I mean, to meet Lydia. And for her to come to faith in Christ. I can't help but wonder if God might not just have more for us as a church family. And what would that look like? What would it look like for us to heed the clear call of the gospel of the Great Commission? You remember what I said earlier? Remember what I asked earlier? Why is it that we delay when it's so clear? Well, what's clear? Go ye therefore in all the world and make disciples of every nation. That's clear. That's a command. That's what we're called to do. The question is, why do we delay? Two billion people that have limited or no access to the gospel. Think about this. They didn't do what we've done this morning. They didn't read the word together. Some of them may not be able to read. Some of them don't have the Bible in their heart language. The need is great, my brothers, and the need is great, my sisters. And no one here is to be neutral to what I'm talking about in the Great Commission. God might not call you overseas to go physically, but he can call you to pray. Every one of us have a part to play. It's like Washer said. You're either going or you're holding the rope, amen? Let me say that again so we're not zoning out. You're either going or you're holding the rope through giving and praying. They're both important. What would it look like for you to embrace the unreached of the world? Look at what happens in the text. I'll unpack this more the next time we're together. There's so much here I want to get into, but I can't get into it this morning. Because Paul was willing to go, he sits down in verse 13. He begins to speak to them about the gospel, about Jesus being the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for. And I know that I'm skipping over a lot that you're interested in and you want to know, but Lord willing, I'll come back to it, I promise. Just for now, look at verse 14, what happens? God opens her heart. To pay attention to what was being said, she comes to faith in Christ. That's awesome. We will meet Lydia one day in heaven because someone was faithful to share. Someone was faithful to go. And the Spirit of God was working in her heart and in her life to open her heart for the gospel. We support missionaries and we pray for missionaries. I'm so grateful for all of those things. Don't mishear me. We can't become complacent. And we can't become stagnant. We need to be like Joshua. We need to be like Caleb. Don't you love old Caleb in the Bible? Where he walks up to Joshua and says, I'm ready for my inheritance. Let me go get it. At 80, Mr. Bill, what a warrior. I'm ready. Let's go do this thing. Here's what you have to wrestle with personally. 
What adjustments do you need to make in your life so that the nations become important to you? And I can't answer that for you, and I'm not trying to manipulate you or do anything like that. I'm just putting that out there for you to think about. Is there something that you need to repent of? If I'm transparent and I'm honest, the reality is the nations are not always before my heart like they ought to be. And I'm probably not alone in that. Who do you need to share with? Who do you need to share with? There's probably somebody on your heart right now that you know that you need to share with. What kind of adjustments can you make in your prayer life? One of the things that we did earlier in the service today was I showed you the Joshua Project. It's so simple. Like we did that in what, three minutes? So simple. And they make it even simpler, more simple. Sorry, Ms. Kim, that was bad English. More simple. You can download the app. You can actually get an email delivered to you daily that gives you the information that we read. It's so simple. It's just an idea. Listen, maybe God's calling you to go. Maybe God's calling you to go. And you've been fighting it. And you've been resisting. And you've been delaying. And you know God's got a call on your life to go to the nations. Maybe God's calling you to go. Maybe God's calling you to become an international missionary, to go to the unreached peoples of the world, to go to the 1040 window, and to plant your life there, and to give your life away for the sake of the gospel and for others. Won't you answer that call? Jim and Eric and myself and many others have prayed faithfully, my goodness, for almost 20 years ourselves. 16 years we have prayed God raise up people to go raise up people to go raise up our children to go to take the gospel to the nations we don't exist for ourselves God we exist for your glory we exist for your honor and we want to take the gospel to those who have never heard maybe you're an answer to that prayer maybe God's calling you to be a pastor And you've been fighting it and resisting it. Won't you answer that call today? Or maybe you're Lydia this morning. Maybe you're the Lydia this morning. Whether you're here in person or listening online, maybe you are the Lydia this morning. And God's been drawing you and God's been calling you and God's been working in your heart to show you your need for a savior, that your sin debt is great, that you're underneath the wrath of God, that you are helpless and hopeless and sin sick and miserable, that you're without hope and without God in this world, but that God in his grace stepped down out of heaven, took on flesh, lived the life that you couldn't live and died the death that you deserve. He took your place. He bore the wrath of the Father so that he could grant you new life, so that you would repent and believe in Christ, and you could become an adopted son or daughter today. Maybe you're Lydia. Maybe God right now is opening your heart. He's calling you to respond to the gospel. What are you waiting for? He's a good God. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. 
He's a compassionate God. He's a healing God. He's a God that grants new life and that life is eternal. He is a God who saves and he can save you. And the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Won't you respond today in repentance and faith? Everglades, I believe God's calling us to more. What would it look like in the next leg of the journey, Pastor Jim? For us to spend and be spent for the unreached peoples of the world. Let's pray together. Father, what a powerful passage of scripture. And we barely scratched the surface. I pray, Father, that you help us understand that you've given us Christ and you've given us your spirit and you've granted us your word and your great and precious promises and an understanding of the gospel not so that we sit here with that, but that we go. I pray, God, yet again, that you call out men, women, boys, and girls to take the gospel to the nations. That's my prayer. I know it's a bold prayer. But what's impossible with us is possible with you. And so, Father, I am sure even now you're working in someone's heart and life through your spirit and impressing on them the great need and impressing on them the need to obey. Father, I pray that today will be the day of salvation for one that's either listening online or here in person. That, God, they will quit fighting you and quit resisting. And God, that they'll lay down their life before you. That's my prayer this morning. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We pray all of this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we worship the Lord through song.